0: Well, we're doing a series of messages on Sunday morning. Um, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, last week, we talked about how life's burdens can really cause us to feel like, well, we're just going through something bad. And uh, we, we learned, what we learned last week, or hope we learned, is that sometimes we have to learn to share the burdens of others. We need to take on that burden and and be a part of it. Sometimes we are called upon by God to share, uh, to shoulder our burdens. In other words, all the things that are our daily needs, that's up to us. We need to go out there and work and get it done. But then there's a lot of times, and this is where bad things happen to good people, we don't shed the burdens that the Lord wants us to lay at his feet. And we continue to carry Those burdens. Well, today we're going to talk about temptation and that um, we are faced with temptations every day of our life. And the truth that I want to convey to you this morning is that many of the bad things that we are going through is brought on by the way that we incorrectly handle temptation. There isn't a day that goes by that we're not tempted in some way. Temptation comes in, in so many forms, I couldn't begin to, to describe them all. It's like we're, we're tempted not to tell the truth. We're tempted to take something that doesn't belong to us. We're take, uh, tempted to take advantage of someone. We're tempted to gossip. We're tempted to overeat, to hold a grudge. We're tempted to withhold things from the Lord, and the list goes on. The truth is, temptation is everywhere. The question is, how do we handle temptation? Do we struggle with it? Wrestle with it? Or like one guy said, oh, I just cave in, you know, as soon as the temptation gets there. It's easier that way. No, it's not. Can anything be done to help us win in this struggle? Is it even possible to successfully resist temptation? Well, the answer to all those questions from the Bible point of view is yes. So I'm gonna invite you to turn with me to James, the book of James chapter one, and we're going to see what God has given to us to where we can find victory over our temptations. We can find a solution to them. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and as I read James chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. The word of God says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted, being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no man, no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire... When it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance, variation, or shadow due to change. Of his own, he will be, will he be, of his own will he brought, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Got tongue tied there. This morning I want to share with you a threefold warning given to us by James in regard to temptation. And the first one is don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised when you're tempted. The first step that we need to take is a step of preparation. Get ready because it's coming. If you're going to be successful in handling your t- temptation, you have to expect it. Know that it's coming. You say, well, where do you see that in the passage? Well, verse 13, he says, if, let no man say when he is tempted. He doesn't say if he is tempted he is emphatic he said when you are tempted it's coming we should never be surprised when we are tempted we need to understand several things about temptation the first thing is that we need to understand that temptation is universal everyone is tempted every living non comatose person is subject to temptation no one is exempt grandmothers not exempt. Nuns, not exempt. Pastors, no. Kindergarten teachers, all, everyone is susceptible. And secondly, we need to understand that temptation is inevitable. If you're not being tempted right now, hang on, it's coming. I hate to be so negative, but that's the truth. And you, you Christians, you know that. You know that it's true. You can be driving down the street not really having any kind of thought and all of a sudden you start thinking about something bad. Sure, it's inevitable. And third, we need to understand that temptation is personal. It's personal. We all have our personal temptations. We're all vulnerable in different ways. So temptation is a personal thing. Some things that do not tempt me, are going to tempt you and vice versa. You can be sure that your temptation will be tailor-made for your weakness. There's no doubt that temptations will come to all of us. We need to prepare for that moment. We need to be ready. To overcome temptation, we have to make sure, don't be surprised, expect it. Secondly, don't be confused by it. Don't be confused by the temptation. By that, here's what I mean. Don't be confused when the temptation comes, where it's coming from. Because a lot of people think, well, that's just God. But God is not the source of temptation. James quickly refutes that idea that evil comes from God. There in verse 13, let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. To believe that he is the source is a faulty analysis. See, unless we understand the real source of temptation, we're always going to respond incorrectly. When we think the temptation comes from God, we're going to blame God. When we think it comes from the devil, we're going to blame the devil. If we think that it comes from our our family, our spouse, our co-workers, our boss, we're going to blame them. God is not the author of temptation nor does he have any capacity in his holy nature that he would that would make him vulnerable to evil so if God is not to blame who is Well, a lot of people will say well it's the devil he's the one to blame how many of you remember Flip Wilson just the gray hairs right yeah Um, He was a comedian back in the day, and, and he had a persona called Geraldine, and she said, the devil made me do it. Remember that? Yeah, and that was a big thing back in that day. The devil made me do it. Beloved, Satan certainly does tempt us. So does this world. This world brings temptation. Satan was right there in the garden. He's the one who tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. So Satan does have a hand in our temptation I'll give you that but often we give him a little bit too much credit for our temptation you see there must be something there for satan's temptations to be effective I hope you get what I just said there has to be something inside of us for satan to be able to be effective in that temptation and it's like this. If you were to try to tempt me with a cigarette, you know, bring me some kind of tobacco. Here's, here's some chew. Put it between the cheek and gum. I'd get all scrunchy face and go, I don't want that. Alcohol the same way. I, I, I don't like the taste. It's nasty. Get away from me. But listen, you bring me some Avengy cinnamon rolls, hot and fresh. <laughs> Buddy, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to want it. I am tempted. There's something inside of me that just loves those cinnamon rolls. Haven't had some in a while. (laughs) Church-wide hunger for cinnamon rolls. James is the only place in the Bible that the process of allurement is Allurement is clearly explained. In verse 14, James explains it like this. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured, he is enticed. You know what the next four words are? By his own desires. Do you see that? Then, verse 15 says, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. If we don't want Satan to take advantage of you, it is vital that we understand his strategy. What Paul called Satan's devices. First, it begins with desire. James tells us that each one is tempted with his own desire, that's the beginning of the process. That's what gets the bowl rolling. And, and where it goes from there is just a downward death spiral of sin. The desire to sin is already inside of us. If it weren't, then sin would not be attractive to anyone. On first glance, you might, you might think that sin is some sort of a magnet, but that's not true. Sin is not the magnet, the magnet's inside of us. We are drawn to it. We are drawn to it. The world puts something out there that we're, we like, and we have a hard time to resist. We're drawn to it. Our desires are extremely powerful. Now, listen, not all desire is wrong. Many desires God has placed inside of us to keep us alive, to keep us healthy, to keep us to be well-adjusted human beings. But even good desires, when we take them to excess, can be great harm, like the desire of food, sexual fulfillment, relief from pain. They can turn into obsessions that control our lives. So temptation begins with desire. Secondly, it leads to deception. James tells us that because of our desire, we are dragged away and seduced. Uh, The word in the Greek is the word enticed. Enticed is a fishing term. Lured by bait. The purpose of the bait is deception, is is desire. If you bait your hook with a nice juicy worm, you have two purposes in mind. You're, You're throwing that out there to get the fish his desire to eat. You have to put him out something that he wants. In order to pull that fish out of its comfortable hiding place, we find a bait that they're interested in. Something inside of them wants it. That's the same way it is with us. Something we can't resist. But the second purpose is is to hide the hook. That's where deception comes in. You want to hide the hook so he doesn't see it. You entice the sin with something he desires and you hide the consequences of his decision you see the fish doesn't see the hook neither do we we see the temptation as something that's going to bring pleasure so we take a bite but we fail to see the hook we're simply deceived into believing that it's not dangerous but beloved The consequences of sin is real. But we have been blinded to them by the strength of our desire. Because if we saw them clearly, we would, without a doubt, we would make another choice. Example. Young people, running around with your friends and doing a little drinking seems like a good, fun time for a while. Until you see the blue lights flashing in your mirror. Then you know the consequences. Till you see your car wrapped around a telephone pole. That's when you see the consequences too late. You see the tragic loss of life because of your drinking. That pleasure wasn't worth it. So we have desire that leads to deception. Deception results in disobedience. Begins with desire, leads to deception, and the result is disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Sinning against God. James tells us, then desire, when it is, has conceived, gives birth to sin. The two elements, the desire, the bait, and the deception, the hook, they join together and they give birth to sin. You fall away from God. You break God's law, you break God's purpose for you, but that's not enough because it doesn't end there. Disobedience then ends in death. Verse 15 goes on to say, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Even though sin sometimes brings a temporary period of pleasure, it always leads to death but here's here's the deception. It's not immediate. It's not immediately apparent. The death part isn't. Listen, we have all sinned. God didn't strike us dead, right? We're, We're still here, but yet we know we've sinned. But we must not be misled that the ultimate result of sin, because we're under God's mercy and he hasn't done anything yet. But God has not immediately judged our sin doesn't mean that God will not ever judge our sin. We're just experiencing his mercy. If we continue to sin and we do not respond to God's mercy by forsaking our sin, death is going to follow. James is not referring here to physical death. Like I said, we're all still here. He's also not referring to spiritual death because no one could ever be saved if that were true. The fulfillment, Christian friend, of your lust brings about in the believer's life, a death-like experience. We will die to the things of God. We will die inside. There'll no longer be a hunger for God's word. There will be no longer a passion for prayer. There will be no longer a desire to win people to Jesus. There won't even be a desire to come into fellowship. In fact, the opposite is true. You're not going to want to come and be in fellowship because it brings so much conviction. We die a little bit inside. Guilt creeps in. It steals whatever joy that we had in our life. Confidence is replaced by doubt. Honesty is nudged out by rationalization. Peace is gone. Turmoil comes in. And then we begin to wonder why do bad things happen to a good person? In Psalm 51, David had been confronted by his sin with Bathsheba, by the prophet, the man of God and he begins to confess his sin. All of Psalm 51 is a confession. By the time he gets around to verse 12, he then makes this prayer. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You see what sin did to the life of David? It removed the joy of his salvation. It removed his joy. Sin is going to rob you of joy. If you don't handle temptations successfully, the joy is going to be gone. So what do we have to do? We have to look at it. Look at the temptation. We have to analyze it. You know, we got to see what is causing that in my life. Look at where it's taking you. Look at the consequences. What is going to happen if I do that? What will happen to my family? What will happen to my relationship? What will happen to my testimony? Look at where you're going to end up. If you do, you'll come to one conclusion. It's not worth it. Falling for that temptation, no matter how small it is, is not worth it. Now you might have already come to that conclusion. You might might know from hindsight a lot of us work from that you know hindsight is 2020 you know that it was hurtful you know that it was harmful so we we come to the final step in the process of dealing successfully with temptation how do we resist temptation i'm going to tell you a secret the battlefield for resisting being drawn away from god is in the mind it's in the mind Each time we yield to temptation, we believe a lie. And what's worse, we start living a lie. To overcome temptation, we need not to be confused by it, but rather understand it. And more importantly, number three of our outline, don't be deceived by the temptation. The final step in the process of dealing with temptation is to just flat out reject it. James tells us in verse 16, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. In other words, don't fall for the temptation. Reject it. See it for what it is. Look for the hook. That's a a good analogy because a lot of people think, you know what? If if I just um, take drugs this one time, I'll be all right. And then, you know, you think, oh, that, that felt okay. I think I'll do it again. And before we know it, what do we call it? We're, we're hooked. It's that hook that, that Satan puts in that worm. And, and when we bite it, it, it takes us. We need to be warned. And don't take the warning lightly. We must take temptation seriously. No matter how it appears, no matter how good it looks, no matter what pleasure you think it's going to bring, it's going to result in death. And the key, of course, is seeing it for what it is. We need to see that it is not how it appears. The hook is there. Remember that James began by saying God did not cause temptation to come to us. God's not the source of our temptation. Temptation is not a good thing. All good and perfect gifts come down from our Father above. God does not give us bad things. Satan would like to make you believe that temptation comes from God, but it doesn't. It comes from within. Don't be fooled. We need to conquer that inward desire. We need to reject the lie of the temptation. And the good news that we have this morning is that those who are born of God can resist temptation. The good news is that you can win over temptation. Temptation doesn't have to defeat you. Because you've already been set free. You just have to walk in that freedom that you have in Christ. We're not a slave to sin Jesus Christ conquered sin on your behalf. You now have the power to resist and to reject those sinful practices. Look with me at verse 18. Of his own will, Jesus brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creation. In the very context of this verse, James tells us that Jesus himself overcame temptation... Do you remember what Jesus used in the temptation? He used the word of God. He used the word of God. Satan says, you're hungry, Jesus. Turn the rocks into the stones into bread. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus, jump down from the pinnacle. Let everybody see that you're the Messiah. He said, "The, the word of God says, we're not to tempt the Lord our God. Every time he was Tempted, he took the sword of the Lord, the word of God, and he slashed out at the devil. We have to use the word of God. Quote scripture. Jesus is our example. That's what he used. That's the only thing that we can use, the word of God. Insofar as temptation is concerned, we have a promise in the word of God. It's found in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, no temptation has taken you except such as is common to man, But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation will always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now we read that and we say, God, show me the escape. But he said that you may be able to bear it. He wants you to win the victory. And he wants you to use the word of God to get that victory. God says he'll always make a way of escape. And sometimes that way of escape, listen to me, especially young people, listen to this, is to flee youthful lusts, flee fornication, flee the temptation. If we find ourselves in a place of temptation, we might simply need to just get out of there, leave that place. That's the way of escape. That may mean you need to put down your phone. That may mean that you need to turn off that computer. Turn off that TV. Boy, nothing but junk comes out of that anyway. Remove yourself from the temptation. The way to deal with temptation is not to grit your teeth and make up your mind, I'm not going to do it because you're going to fall. The key is to fill your mind with other things. To fill your mind with the word of truth. I'm not suggesting you simply resist. Here's what I'm telling you. We need to refocus. Refocus, not resist. Since temptation brings, uh, begins with your inner thoughts, changing your thoughts is the key to victory. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Resist the temptation by meditating on the word of God. replace the images that you have in your mind that, that, that's the desire that's already in you. Replace that with Holy Scripture. Here are some things keep in mind and and we're going to close. If you're going to overcome temptation, first first of all, realize how vulnerable you are. Don't don't say I've arrived, I have have overcome all that. Unless you have seen Jesus and you're living in heaven. No, you haven't. We're all vulnerable. Don't here's another thing. Don't flirt with temptation. Don't see how close you can get to it. You know, if, if you do, you're going to fall. You need to get out of there, flee immediately. And most importantly of all, weigh the cost of giving in to temptation think about the people you're going to hurt think about the temp- the, the, the testimony that you have and, and how it won't be heard anymore don't think for a minute that your case is hopeless I, I, I see before me good people but the best of us fall to temptation so Your case isn't hopeless. You have not gone too far. You're still here. You still want to come under the word of God. The good news is that Jesus loves you. And he wants you to bring your messed up up choices. He wants you to bring your wrong turns to him. Bring them to him so that he can forgive you. And he'll give you a fresh beginning. I love the hymn that says... If you'll take one step toward the savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. I want you to think of that as we come to this time of invitation. If you'll take one step, you'll find he's right there to forgive you, Christian, to set you back on track. You're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You make one step toward him. You'll find there he is saying, welcome, welcome home. He'll make you his child. You know, the Bible says all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There's not one that is exempt from sin. But Jesus said, the word of God says that he came while we were yet sinners. He went to the cross at Calvary. He died on that cross to to save you. And if you will come today and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you'll believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's our invitation to you. And the invitation for the Christian is, don't think that you have sinned your life away. God wants to forgive you, put you back on track this morning, if you'll just come to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we... Close this message, I ask that you would take it and use it for your children. Someone here today is really struggling with their life, with the decisions that they have made, struggling with the way that they have handled things in their life and they think that there's no hope for them. God, please just show them today that you're waiting with your arms open wide. And for that one person that is here today that does not know you as savior, Let them see how much you love them so that they will come and be saved today. And we will give you all the praise, the honor, the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So our invitation is open to you today. Whatever your decision may be, when we stand, when we sing, you come. Come out of the